The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. This morning I'm just going to talk very briefly, but my subject is this, the Queen of Queens and the King of Kings. Now, if you have been watching the television, which I expect some of you have, then you will have picked up a number of these facts that I have, uh, will be bringing to you because I notice, having researched some things, that I see that all of the broadcasters, they've obviously been taken through this system of learning facts and figures and understanding, and gradually you hear it again and again, it starts to get into you and you understand it. But there are some wonderful things that we can learn about the Queen, who I call the Queen of Queens. The Jubilee, as we know, marks her 70th year on the throne, an achievement that was actually made back in February. The 6th of February this year marked the occasion. So it was the 6th of February, 1952, when her father passed away, and she actually heard, you are now queen. You can imagine what that must have felt like for her. And as you also heard, she is the Britain's longest reigning monarch. And that milestone actually was passed on the 9th of September 2015, when she surpassed the reign of her great-grandmother, Queen Victoria. And just to get some perspective of that passage of time that the Queen has been on the throne, then there have been 14 presidents of the United States, and the Queen has met with each of them except for President Johnson. And also, as we've heard, that there have been many prime ministers in the United Kingdom. It said 15 on the screen there. 15 have passed during her reign. And she started off as Winston Churchill being the first of those prime ministers. So she has seen an awful lot coming and going. And when you think of all the general elections that we have had, we have seen also a number of things change during her reign on the throne. Now, just to put things in perspective, the length of her reign, 70 years, let's put that in perspective against biblical kings. And obviously, we know that there have been kings of Israel, kings like Saul and David and Solomon, for instance. Each of those kings served for 40 years. So you can see, wow, the queen serving for 70 years, that really is a long reign. In fact, the longest reigning monarch of Judah was Manasseh. And he reigned for 55 years. So we can see that the queen really has got a tremendous reign over this nation. Certainly it seems in the Bible that when kings followed the Lord, or when they served for a long period of time, it brought stability to the nation. And we have seen that with our own, king, our own queen. Stability means the ability to last or to continue to be firmly established. And I think when you've seen the things on TV, when you see people talking about a queen, our queen, those are some of the things that they raise up about her. Our queen is stable. She is firmly established. And of course, as we've said, governments have come and gone. Things have changed. Obviously, fashions have changed a lot. Music has changed a lot over that period of time. But the queen has shown great stability and perseverance. Stability, yes. Perseverance. Perseverance is the ability to continue, that steady persistence. And 
That is what we've seen in our queen. As it was mentioned on the video, it's not as though she hasn't known many personal difficulties and tragedies within her own family life. We've talked about divorce, the loss of her daughter-in-law, the loss of her husband. There have been all sorts of international situations that she has also lived through. But it is those personal ones, those difficult things that come within the family. And you have to remember for the queen, this isn't just private and kept to one side, although obviously they want to. Because anything that's happening is thrown out into public life and there it is on the news for everybody to know. And you still have to hold your head up and you have to walk through that knowing that other people are judging you or thinking all sorts of things, our queen has certainly known perseverance and stability. But one of the things that I think marks her out upon anything else is the fact that she has a servant heart. She made promises at her coronation, and we'll look a little bit at the coronation in a moment, but she made promises at her coronation that she was going to serve the nation. And if there's anything that exemplifies the Christian faith more than that, I think this is... More than anything else, this is it. That she has a servant heart. She laid down her life to be queen of our nation. She can't just pop out to the shops. She can't just go on holiday to the ordinary beaches that anybody else would go. She can't just go for a walk in the countryside. She has to go to her own estate where she is. Obviously, she owns the land. She wants to be private. She can't just do normal life. In fact, there's no such thing as normal life for her. There is the life that she has surrendered for the sake of the nation. And yesterday, I watched the concert on TV, and it, they have a number of little interludes where they, people are giving their thanks for the Queen and saying some things. But you notice there's a consistency of the way that people admire the fact that the Queen has laid down her life for the nation. And we appreciate that. But that's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't live the life that he wanted to live. He gave his life up so that we might be brought into relationship with him, as we've been talking about with communion this morning. But that servant heart is certainly seen in our queen. One of the titles that she has as queen, and there are many, but one of the titles that she holds is that of defender of the faith and supreme governor of the Church of England. Now, when it comes to the heritage, these titles date all the way back to King Henry VIII. So we're talking about, and he reigned in 1509 to 1547. He was actually granted the title Defender of the Faith in 1521 by Pope Leo X, which I'm sure all of you understood and knew that. So he was given that title and has actually been passed for all of those years down through the kings and queens and to our queen at the moment. What I found was interesting when I was researching this and I was looking at some websites, one of the websites I looked at was the, what is called the Royal website, www.royal.uk, and it's got all this information about the Royal family, and it's obviously uh, run by them. And on that website, it says this, the Queen is a committed Christian. I thought, wow, the Queen is a committed Christian and churchgoer and has often spoken about her faith in speeches and broadcasts. Well, we would remember that. For instance, she said this, For me, the life of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, whose birth we celebrate today, this is obviously taken from a Christmas broadcast, is an inspiration and an anchor in my life. She said, 
a role model. He is a role model of reconciliation and forgiveness. He stretched out his hands in love, acceptance, and healing. Christ's example has taught me to seek, to respect, and value all people of whatever faith or not. What tremendous things. Now, those words are reported on their website. And sometimes, you know, people don't like to say, well, I'm a Christian. Everything's like private. Their life is private. But for our queen, yes, of course, she is defender of the faith, head of the Church of England. But she is also saying, I believe in Jesus Christ and I love what he does. And the example that he has given has changed me and helped me. I think those are wonderful things. Now, in this country, we have a queen, you know that, but it's actually a constitutional monarch. That is what she is. So what do I mean by that? A constitutional monarch is somebody who is head of state. So she is the sovereign. She is the head of the state. Uh, She doesn't have the ability to pass legislation. That resides with our parliament. So although she has, she has no longer this political, this executive role, she continues to play, as we know, a very important part in the nation. As head of state, she undertakes constitutional and representational duties. And these have developed over the past thousand years. In addition to these state duties, the monarch has the less formal role as head of nation. And that's why I think there's this great unification. Uh, We see with these parties that are going on, everything is centered around the queen. And the queen is, well, she is the head of our nation. And that's what draws us together. Now, I know not everybody is a royalist. I quite understand that. But nevertheless, we must have respect for this woman who has given so much for this nation. The coronation. Let me just mention a few things about the coronation. That moment when Princess Elizabeth became queen was, uh, happened, as we remember the, the date, back in February 1952. Uh, but although she became queen on that day, she wasn't actually crowned queen on that day. In actual fact, it wasn't until June 2, 1953, that actually there was the official coronation. And that passage of time between the two things is, well, it's... Because there needs to be a time of mourning for the passing of her father, the previous king. So there needs to be a time of mourning. But there also needs to be a great time of preparation. And a lot of time of preparation was actually given. So that people could work out exactly how the ceremony was going to happen and everything about it. So they had to give that space and time for working everything out. The interesting thing is the coronation has elements about it which actually have been part of this nation for the last thousand years. Certainly for over 900 years, the ceremony has always taken place at Westminster Abbey and the service is always conducted by the Archbishop of Canterbury. In fact, the Archbishop of Canterbury took the task when he actually... um, since the Norman Conquest back in 1066. So that is... When you come and see Westminster Abbey and you think, oh yeah, that's Westminster Abbey, you contend, oh, that's sometimes, don't they have services there? Actually, it has a tremendous, uh, it has a tremendous marking point for the nation. This is where the kings and queens of our nation have been crowned since the 10th century. Wow. Now, at that ceremony, and maybe you've seen some of it on television, uh, the crown jewels come out. Now, you know, the crown jewels usually remain at, um, 
the Tower of London. Yes, I could see the picture of the tower in my head and the words were not coming through at the same time. They're usually there, you can go and see them in the Tower of London. But this is the occasion when they come out of their cabinets. They come out of all the security and they're actually used. And so we see a crown that is put on the queen's head. There are two crowns that are actually used. But a part of the service is she is given an orb and a scepter. In fact, I think there's going to be a picture of the orb and the scepter come up. There you go. So the orb is the round thing there. Okay. Now, the orb is a symbol of godly power. A cross above a globe. It represents Christ's dominion over the world as the monarch is God's representative on earth. It is presented to the sovereign with these words. So these are the words that the Archbishop of Canterbury says as he gives the orb to, in this case, the queen we're talking about. Receive this orb set under the cross and remember that the whole world is subject to the power and empire of Christ, our Redeemer. That's powerful to think that this is what happens at the coronation. And the sovereign scepter, there you see it there, represents the temporal power of the king or queen and is associated with justice and good governance. Now, in that picture, you can just see like this lovely diamond that's there. Actually, that is the world's largest cut white diamond, 530 carats. It's called the Cullinan One. Uh, so, in itself, these are priceless priceless jewels that come out and are associated with that uh, um, with this with the <laughs> with the coronation sorry it just went off the top of my page so I'm losing myself there now although we've got all these little bits and pieces of information about the queen and some of us as I say love her some of us well it's just another one of those things what we can certainly say in my view is that this queen is the queen of all queens. Nobody has held such a long reign. And I don't think anybody is held in such high respect around the world, not only in this nation. Obviously, part of that is the fact that there's so much greater communication these days, television. She's supposed to be one of the most photographed women in the world. And obviously, having been queen for so long, you can understand how she holds the limelight for that. So I would say... Our queen, Queen Elizabeth II, that she could well be called the Queen of Queens. But having talked about the Queen of Queens, I now don't want to briefly mention the King of Kings. And I don't think anyone wouldn't know what I'm talking about. We're talking about Jesus Christ, who is the King of Kings. The one who is above every other. In fact, it's said of Jesus, for at the name of Jesus... Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. So you can see even by that of what the scripture says, that his name, who he is, is above every other. And when we're thinking the reverence and the honor that we give to the queen, just think of the reverence and the honor that is due to Jesus Christ as king of kings. A scripture that is read so often at Christmas time, which we're going to look at this morning just very briefly, from Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness 
of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We're talking about the queen. Wow, 70 years. Nobody else has reigned for that long as far as the UK is concerned. How wonderful that is. And we're talking about all those superlatives that go with that. And yet here is somebody whose kingdom will be reigning forever and ever. And he will establish and uphold justice and righteousness. This is who we serve. The king of all kings. Jesus Christ. Now, there's one other scripture that I want to share with you. And I suppose I should ask this question. If we're talking about Jesus being the king of kings, and he is establishing his kingdom even now, then the question I need to ask is, are you part of that kingdom? So many of us want to go up and see the queen, or wouldn't it be a privilege if we could actually meet the queen or talk with her, just like Paddington Bear did yesterday. And if you haven't seen that, then you must see that. I haven't got any sandwiches on me with marmalade in them this morning, but I'm sure there might be some here. And again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, do look at the beginning of yesterday evening's uh, uh, program. But here's a scripture that I think we need to reflect upon in our own times. And I'm going to read to you from Judges 21 verse 25. In actual fact, it's the last verse in the book of Judges. And it says this, In those days Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Now, you could say, like, why are you bringing that scripture? Let me put a bit of context to that scripture. The scripture is we've got Israel that have actually been promised uh, to uh, a promised land and Having come out of Egypt under Moses, they've been brought into that promised land by Joshua. And now they have gone into the promised land and they're, part, they're taken over the promised land. They're settling down. They're now farming and they're, they're building their new society in this promised land. Just as God had said, I'm going to take you out of slavery and bring you into freedom. A freedom of a place that I'm giving to you. So they had now experienced that. But after Joshua passed, he being the, nation, the national leader, there was no real leader over the nation. And so we go into this period of time called the Judges when God seems to send problems upon the nation because they keep wanting to do their own thing. And God raises up one or two people to lead the nation, but there's no one particular person over the nation all that the time. And this is the season we come into. So in this case, we're saying, well, at this time... Israel didn't have a king. Now, if you were to read on from the book of Judges onwards through Samuel, you get to kings, you start to understand that actually they went from this time of no one particular person leading the nation until Samuel arose and he as a judge started to rule over the nation. And then he instituted the kingship or he was the one that brought in the first king, Saul. And they did have a king. But at this point it says that they had no king. Israel had no king. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. You see, well, how does that compare to us? Because you see, we do have, well, we don't have a, a king, but we have a queen. 
We have a queen and she's ruling, but we've already looked at the fact she's a constitutional monarch. She is there as head of the state. She's there, as it were, as a figurehead over our nation, but she's not leading the nation in the same way that a biblical king would, in that terms of absolute authority over all things. That's what a biblical king is like. And so she's not leading that. So very much we are, although we have a queen and we respect her, there is a sense in which in this nation it's just the same. It's almost like we don't have somebody who is leading us, somebody who we're all under. And yet as Christians, we'd say, no, but we are under God. He is our king. Well, here's the question I want to bring to us all this morning. Really. If he is our king, are we really allowing him to reign in our lives? Are we following what he is asking us to do? Or are we like the Israelites where it seems like, well, there isn't really a God so I might as well just get on and run my life my way. I'll do what I think is right. I'll go along with the common consensus. I'll do what other people seem to do. That seems to be the best thing. Or are we prepared to come back to the king and to the king's instructions for his kingdom and to say, I'm going to put my life under the kingship of the king of all kings. And I'm not just going to do what I please. This is what really touches me about the queen. She doesn't just do what, she please, what pleases her. She does what is right for her position as queen over the nation. The question we need to face ourselves with this is, are we living the way that our king wants us to live? Or are we deciding the things ourselves? Look, I think this is what I'll do today. I'll seem to do what I feel is best and then I'll take a reference back to God if things seem to go bad. Or do we start off our day by saying, God, what is it that you would have me do for you in this day? How do you want me to live for you? How do you want me to follow you today? What sort of things do you want to see in my life? Doing what is right in your own eyes doesn't really fit in with being submissive to the king. I find that scripture very challenging. And as we celebrate this platinum jubilee, and as we honor the queen, and as we remember what she is like and the characteristics that she holds, let us remember her servant heart. Because that is what Jesus exemplified here on earth. I don't do anything of myself. I only do the things that I see my father doing. He followed him. And I find the challenge in my own life at this time is like, God, how do I live my life doing what you want me to do? How can I live my life so that my life displays all the attributes of your kingdom, that you come and have your reign in me, that you have your authority over me, and that is shown through my life? Or am I living my life in a way that says, oh, I don't really seem to have a king. I'll do whatever I think is right in my own eyes. May we be challenged by this period of time. May we give respect to our queen, but may we look at some of the things that are exemplified in her life and be challenged to give ourselves under the kingship of our king of all kings, Jesus Christ, and to serve and follow his ways. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.